Welcome to Big Marv's World. People used to connect using the World Wide Web. They call the internet. We're different types of social media. Store the information sort of like encyclopedia. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Big Marv here. Welcome back to another episode of Big Marv's Network. Today on the show, we got my man, Evan Lifford. Did I say that right? Did I butcher it? No, you're good. All right, good, good. We got Evan on it. On the show, he's a fellow entrepreneur. Um, where you know you work at home now, right? Are you still got a daytime job? Me? No, no. I'm full time. I'm actually at my office right now. I oh, perfect. Had, yeah, I haven't had a day job for a while. Um, full time. I own and/or have equity in five businesses in Colorado Springs. So nice. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. Go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a, a little bit about your story. Where where you're at, where you're going, and, you know. Excellent. Yeah, my name's Evan. I'm 26 years old, have a few kids at home and whatnot, and um, like I said, I have equity and or own five separate businesses in Colorado Springs across five separate industries. Um, lucky enough to be able to operate uh, out of a space in downtown Colorado Springs off of Tejo, and so that's been very, very nice for us. Um, quit my day job probably about a year and some, yeah, about a year and some change ago. Uh, I was originally um, into the personal training space, uh, and then I got back into the service industry pertaining to serving and bartending, uh, mm-hmm. so I could build up my business a little bit. That freed up my hours, especially with kids at home. Um, gave me the ability to work, I mean, if you want to call it a night shift, I guess, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., um, so that left to be, you know, early in the day, all the time that I really needed in the world to get my foundation built for my business. My first one, which was a business called Alpha Locker Strength Conditioning. And from there, I kind of slingshotted, um, got some capital coming in, uh, was able to buy some time, uh, was able to get involved in technical analysis a little bit, uh, make a little bit of money trading and just kind of ping pong my way to where I am now. Uh, it's a you know grinding out process, but, I've been able to generate the capital, put it where I want to put it, build a team, and everything's been good from here. We have coast-to-coast clients for my main business, which is a business called Commerce Puzzle. We are a brand consultancy and advertising consultancy firm with departments that actually deliver. So we have departments for web design, SEO, and et cetera. Um, The fact that we're a consultancy firm is really where we are with our heart and soul. Uh, So we do everything from, you know, whether it be web design, SEO, graphic design, or really what our forte is, is helping people build a strategy based around where they want to be, um, and we help them get there. So what, how did you get started in you know, serving clients in this capacity? Well, when you say this capacity, are you referring to where I am now as far as being in a position to be able to have the income to have an office? Or just just getting started uh, in space I'm, in general. I mean, you know, just in general, being able to serve them, you know, with with a team with a full done for you deliverables, like. Well, I, it really started because I got into a bad situation with my first business uh, pertaining to a web design contract that just did not turn out very well. Um, my father's an IT tech. I just kind of always grew up familiar with technology in general across a wide range of, of, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, So it was kind of a natural transition for me. Um, And really, 
I feel like if you enter any business with the idea to build a business versus the idea uh, to generate more work for yourself, um, you can build a team and you can, you know, you, if you can, if you, if you have the ability to, rel to relinquish some power and give up some of your, uh, you know, put your ego aside, I suppose, it makes it easy to bring people in and to use other people for the talents that they have and to, you know, generate income. That's the easy part when I think about it with people. We're, we're naturally, you know, community-based. So this is all kind of, uh, as long as I let it grow naturally, you know, I don't have too much interference. Now, when, whenever I first started, um, you know, because I, I do the same thing, right? Like strategy and automation is like my shit. Right. And I have full teams to deliver deliverables, right? If they want a full done-for-you service. Um, I remember early on, though, I was working 60, 70 hours a week, mm. fucking trying to do everything myself, designs, builds, automation, yeah. you, you name it. I was serving the client, you know, doing everything myself. Like, it's terrible. Like, I, I, I imagine you can relate at some point. So how how was it for you, like, get giving up some of the control and relying on team members um, versus doing it yourself? Yeah, I mean, at my at my house in my kitchen table, I have two uh, giant holes from where my chair sits. From when I did work from home, from so many hours, those long ass days, like you're talking about, where you try to do each and everything. And when you're doing that, it does develop uh, an intimate relationship with each different part of your work. Um, and the scary thing about strategy is everything links together. So you know, it it, it wasn't easy relinquishing any kind of say so at all uh, but what made it a little bit easier was doing it in a fashion where I just kind of treated it as I was jumping off a cliff versus trying to scale down slowly so yeah. I built up the, you know so I built up my you know I, I built up my personal strategy for the corporation for, for commerce puzzle as far as how I wanted people to function uh, how I wanted things to be delivered what time I want things to be delivered and it's, it's worked out for me since so I, I really think the mark of a good business owner it's not how much you can take on, but how much you can let go. And I've tried to live by that. And it's not been easy by any means because of that intimate relationship that you get, you know, solving a problem at two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning when nobody else is there but yourself for the 80th time. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> it's especially like, you know, with a personal brand where like you, the person, you're, you're, what is it, you're relationship or your your reputation mm. you know is on the line with every build right because mm. like when people look at me they they're like you know it's big marv and even though i have team members that take care of everything if anything goes bad it's it's not big marv's team fucked up it's big marv fucked up you know of course, of course. so so yeah i know where you're coming from where like you're 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 bringing on your team members and you're, you're starting to scale. So you're, you're doing less and less of some of that hands-on technical work and more and more of just working on one-on-one -on -one with the client line, lining out the initial strategy and automation and then having your team just actually deliver on your strategy versus you coming up with the strategy, you building everything out and doing it. And to give an answer that I suppose is a little more practical, I guess the, the the real life transition as far as what I was able to do, it makes it easier. In my opinion, I treat my clients like this as well. If you break the major tasks down into extremely easy tasks. So, you know, there's no reason that you can't 
theoretically speaking, if you have enough time to pay all these people or enough in income to pay all these people, can't break down a very comprehensive SEO campaign into a bunch of entry level positions that you can pull people off the street in, plug them in and have them do it. Yeah. So as long as you build it that way. And that's kind of how the, the trajectory and the mindset that I've had building a system and building a team for myself. Um, but it's, it's made it a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. So I guess a lot of my initial, you know, when I was reluctant, it was mostly my nerves more than, more than action. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it was mostly like, I'm the only one that can do this. I don't trust anybody to not fuck it up. You know what I'm saying? It's hard, hard, but, but like you said, and like you guys listening in, like remember what he said, like, you want to there's no reason especially if you're good at what you do there's no reason that you can't break it down into a bunch of subtasks and iron out processes where you can bring the next person on because you heard how he says he has systems and processes in place which is the key if you want to grow and scale because you never want to be the single point of failure in your business so that's how you scale is by developing re- um, replicatable processes that 100%. anybody, whether they've fucking have ever touched it or built it before or not, having those processes where they can come in, pick up your exact process and plug in the different variables for each client. And then that frees you up to actually do more of what you love, right? So like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but me as an agency owner while i love building funnels and i love the automation and everything my favorite part is the actual initial strategy and designing which platforms we're going to use for fulfillment right so like i can do i can do the design and everything else but like my heart and soul is designing that initial strategy designing the content strategy deciding what automation platforms we're going to go with and then my team and saying hey, we got a new ClickFunnels build or a new WooCommerce build or a new Shopify build or whatever it is and then having my processes for each one of those. And that's that's how I was able to scale and and now now I work like 20 hours a week versus 70. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you're definitely speaking my language. Building a system, is it's, yeah, it, it's everything, but having the ability to break things down into subtasks has been something that I've had to depend on, but when you say your favorite part is is and you know I, I say that to to i guess acknowledge the the sub the subtask thing that you were saying but the part that you just said about uh you know a strategy session being dedicated to figuring out what type of software that you're going to use to solve a, a client problem that's a, to me that it makes me smile because that's a, the mark of a, a good agency owner in my eyes because you as you probably know there's a lot of this industry, uh, you know, where people can kind of come in the back door, connect themselves to something that they think may work, and then do bad business. And, yeah. And for somebody it's terrible. Says, right. For somebody it who makes says, people like me yeah. look terrible. Exactly. Like and, I've been in the game. I've been in the game for twenty plus years, and I got people that take a course for six months, and they're like charging five grand for a funnel bill that they. Like my, the funniest thing I see, right? Like, cause I'm part of these different groups and stuff and and like kudos to people like whoever's watching this, don't take this as me shitting on you. 
But just take this as, like, you should probably check yourself before you wreck yourself, mm-hmm. right? I see people brand new, right, because they, the gurus, the coaches and everything are like, this is a valuable skill set. Go out there and pitch a client and close them on two grand a month or five grand a month or 10 grand or whatever the fuck it may be. But some ridiculous number that some Joe blow that's brand new at doing this should not be charging people. Absolutely. Right. But they're coming into these groups. Yeah. I just signed my first client, $2,500. Woo. Now who has built a funnel for the gym industry before and how do I get them leads? I'm like, why are you charging $2,500? Exactly. If you have no idea, if you've never done that for them before, why are you positioning yourself, charging them what I fucking charge them? Like, I'm a pro, right? So why are you charging them pro rates and you're an amateur? And then you're going to burn the shit out of them. So whenever mm-hmm. I pitch them, they're going to be like, well, I already tried this guy over here and he charged me three grand. You're charging me two grand. Exactly. You're going to do a better job than the $3,000 guy. It definitely creates this skepticism. And, and, and when you, when you, you can always spot things, you know, when you're in an industry <laughs> and you see another owner, there's certain things that people say where you can kind of spot where they're at. And uh, yeah, taking the time um, to dedicate strategy sessions to, to pick out what software you're going to use to solve a specific problem is probably the biggest difference I would say between somebody who runs an agency the right way and somebody who does not. Yeah. And I I can't tell you how many people that, um, you know, I've, I've worked with and they'll come to me and they're like, I already purchased X, Y, and Z. Is there any way we can make this work? And I'm just like, no, you should have talked to a guy like me before you purchased X, Y, Z. Now you've just learned a life lesson. Now, granted, there's a thousand different ways to do this. So you don't have to bank on my strategy. You can go find somebody that uses those platforms you purchase and figure that shit out. But I'm not your guy. But you'll have amateurs that don't really know. And they'll just position themselves, right? Because they're hungry for the money. They're not doing it out of passion yet. It's because they're doing it out of like, I got to make that 500 bucks, so I'm just going to do what I need to make this work. So they put themselves and their clients in a bad position because they're, they're doing it for the wrong reasoning, the wrong, right? They don't really got the got the strategy down yet. I have clients all the time where, like, it's a detractor. I have it set as a detractor on purpose, like, to have a call with me, it's $250, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm like, if you can't afford to have a strategy session with me, you can't afford to hire my team. Right. And I can't give you the best strategy without sitting down with you and talking about your business, developing a value stack, deciding how we're going to market and fulfill whatever product or service that you have. Right. I I can't just give you like, this is how much it's going to cost. And this is what platforms we're going to use. Cause I don't know shit about you or what we're delivering. Exactly. Right. So if somebody just comes to you, I have a cookie cutter package that's going to serve you. You can tell, like, you haven't been doing this long mm-hmm. enough to mm-hmm. know that, like, cookie-cutter packages don't serve everyone. Yeah, you can have a process for different platforms that you utilize when you need to serve that person, but how do you know which ones to go with if you haven't had that initial conversation? You know, that, you know how you, you, know how you fuck yourself up doing that is, like, sometimes you'll fucking pitch those cookie-cutter prices and like it, it pans out. It works out. Like it actually turns out to be an easier job than you bid on. Right. Nine times out of ten, 
you fucking bid too low because you didn't have that session first. And then you get in there and you see what a shit show it is. And you're like, fuck, what did I get myself? Do it. That prevents scaling. That prevents scaling. At yeah. some point, you have to let that go. Like accepting, accepting a client without reviewing the scope of work first is just, I mean, I think right. I think it's, I think it's unacceptable probably. I think it's. Yeah. It's just bad, bad business practice. It is. It's bad practice on, yeah. on both sides. Like you said, you're probably most likely going to fuck yourself. And what you, you lose the chance to set boundaries, too. And a lot of people forget that that's what that stuff is for. When you grab a scope of work, there's verbal boundaries that have been traded uh, and expectations that are set on, you know, on the client side. If that's never visited and they're just giving you money, a lot of questions are going to come and a lot of expectations are going to come to them. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can we raise this? I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Completely feel you on that one. Yeah, exactly. Like, how many times have you had clients that they don't know, have any idea how any of this shit works mm-hmm. and you turn on a campaign and they think they're going to get rich overnight because they've seen all these Facebook ads about once you start running ads, now you're going to fucking buy a Lambo in a week. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is not how this works. That's not how this works at all. <laughs> it's, I think eventually, I don't know. I think about this a lot. I don't know where we're at in terms of there's going to be some sort of enlightenment, I think. I think at some point people are going to take a deep breath and then say, okay, it's time that we treat business online just as we treat a brick and mortar business. As soon as that happens, I think a lot of this stuff is going to you know, stop. At no point is a mom and pop shop a uh, medium-sized business or a large corporation ever going to let somebody walk into their shop, pitch them something that's just popular online like these people do in a Facebook group and then accept it. So just, just because we're online, it's kind of a, dip, a different atmosphere and it lowers the expectations a little bit. So that's one thing I do tell my clients is if you can treat your online business with the same diligence that you would treat uh, you know, a brick and mortar business and a lot of these problems won't come about because you're it's going to be very hard to walk into somebody's shop and sell them face to face on you know some kind of concrete marketing idea it's it's just it's not the same thing it's not the same thing like a a good way to think about it is what we're doing is just a digital version of direct response marketing that's it right like a car salesman hey you just roll up to a fucking car lot right the dude's not going to take you and then come show you some fully loaded $60,000 car the minute you get there, right? Exactly. But think of it this way. That example I just gave you is the equivalent of somebody adding you on Facebook and then shoot, <laughs> shooting you a message immediately saying, buy my shit. And it right? works, though. Like, that's the thing that's crazy is that shit works a lot of the time. It, it, but it doesn't work on average as much as – people coach and say it works right like me absolutely, absolutely. laugh laugh people away and the average person i talk to does the same thing they're like fuck you i don't know you i'm not gonna buy your shit unless the thing that you're offering me is so low ticket and so low risk that is what the fuck ever you know but on average people are pitching you high ticket and they don't know you at all mm-hmm. where that same car salesman at least the good ones right they're going to talk to you a little bit. They're going to get to know you. They're going to get to know your family and why you're buying a car, right? They're going to get to know, like, do you need a truck because you want to take your family out to the mountains? You need a a big load. Do you have multiple kids? Are you going to need like a minivan or an SUV or, or are you just a single guy and you like to go fast? Like 
what kind of car do you need? What's going to meet your needs, right? That's like a good car salesman is going to get to know you. He's going to take you on a test drive and he's going to tell you to experience the car and get to know the car. Imagine you driving this car to your camping trip or to your race trip or whatever. Then he's going to get you back to the dealer and and position you and try to sell you based on those pain points that he just learned that you had because he took the time to get to know you and build that relationship. Then he's going to sell you that car and you're going to buy it because he's going to know your exact pain points and how to sell you on the, the, those pain points and why that car solves those pain points for you. And then how, and then how about the process though, right? And, and that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. What about what that process does to rebuttal objections before they even come up? A lot of people don't realize that when you go through a process that is that in depth for my company, we call it a culture session. So we're just trying to identify pain points to use some similar lingo here. So when you go through that process and you pull that information out and you outline a wireframe or a strategy that's based on pain points that were extracted through conversation, the likelihood that you're going to get an objection throughout the duration of your project decreases dramatically in my opinion yeah so it's 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 huge it's huge the process is huge the end result is better and more importantly here's really what we have learned is you can't charge any of these mid-sized businesses you can't walk into a mid-sized business and even pitch any of this stuff if you're not on a level where you're doing your research and you're doing your strategy and you're familiar with market research and you're familiar with the with how to strategize and how to extract information from a company. They need that. A lot of times, if you go to these mid-sized companies, <clears throat> their board of directors will require that, you know, if it's a design project, they'll require that three separate companies come and pitch them so they can ensure that they're spending their money. Yeah. Exactly. They, sometimes they'll have all three motherfuckers in the same and, room. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're trying like, to hey, look what each other, look at what you guys prepared here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, go and, ahead, and eat each other up. Let's see what you got going on. You know, it's, like, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. People don't realize that, especially if a local business is incorporated. Guess what? They have a whole board of people. It's not mm -hmm. just one motherfucker making the decision anymore. Mm -hmm. it, especially if you want. If you want the clients that are going to bring you the mansions and the Lambos and sign ten to thirty thousand dollar retainers, you have to be prepared. Like, Absolutely, you know, like you have to be on that level to be able to work with those people, and and it's very important to have that process built out with the pain points to where like yeah, remember, nobody gives a fuck about the product or service anymore. It's, it, it's the the face attached to it and how that face is going to solve a problem. Exactly. Right. It's like, how are you solving my problem? I don't give a fuck about how much money it costs. Like, the money's irrelevant if you're going to give me the results and it's going to solve my problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I, I just started doing this recently. So, one of my earliest tactics for landing new clients, right? Like, that's one of the most common questions newbies have coming into this game is how do I get clients, like quality clients that aren't going to be a pain in the ass? Right. Because like for me, a pain in the ass client is somebody that doesn't trust me or my expertise. They have their way of doing it. They always have their ideas of how I should be marketing their shit. And it's like, no, you hired me as the expert. I'm going to tell you what content to create and you're going to let me do the job you hired me for. Right. Exactly. But in the beginning, right, when you're establishing yourself as that expert, you fucking get those shitty clients. Absolutely. Right. So 
for for me, how I dialed in the clients that I wanted, right? I would research them a little bit. I would mm-hmm. look at their website, see what kind of offers they had, et cetera, et cetera. And I would build a funnel and buy a domain and link up the funnel, fully automated and everything, and then just send them the link. That's it. And, and, that's and say, that's check so this that's... out. And then they see they see the entire funnel in person and then the call to action on the thank you pages. Wouldn't you like something like this for your business? And it's yeah. their fucking logo and it's their cell <laughs> and it's exactly in there. And it just blows their mind and that gets them every time. Absolutely. And my my buddy Matt Plapp, he uh he specializes in the restaurant industry. Like mm-hmm. he he that's that's his jam. It doesn't matter what restaurant or franchise it is, he's he's got them on lock. So he told me about a strategy that he started using, which is very similar to that, where he builds a demo funnel, but instead he preloads a video sales letter funnel on a tablet and sends them a tablet in a and a, a graphic custom box that has his face on the fucking front of it right so it's like when those tablets go to those business owners like he closes them every time so i started doing the same thing and these aren't like those shitty tablets that you can preload on fucking visaprint for ten dollars these are nice like hundred dollar tablets exactly. you know and so i posted that strategy in one of my groups and somebody's like damn like i like that that's a creative idea but you're dropping a hundred dollars and they might not say yes i'm the way i'm looking at it is like my contracts start at five grand yeah that's not it like, you can't even well that again that's like a lot if, of, I, if i sign one it's gonna cover it yeah, but, but think, of, think of it this way i sent a preloaded tablet to a business owner whether they sign with me or not they telling that story to someone. Period. Yeah. They're going to show my video to someone. Like, look at this crazy motherfucker sent me a tablet with his face on it. That's the danger maybe, of that, maybe right now. They don't buy, right? Plays, though. That's, like, that, that, that's the danger. Yeah. It's like maybe they don't buy, but maybe their business owner friend or their doctor or somebody that they show the video to and tell this crazy story to watches my video and looks up Big Marvel on YouTube or looks up Big Marvel on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? But I have yet to send a tablet out to a business I didn't close. So that's that's the other side of the coin is like when, when you spend the time researching like who you want to work with and exactly what pain points you're going to solve and you present it to them that way of like, look, this is an experience you're never going to forget. I'm your guy. Like people, people are going to eat that up. And the other reason... I encourage people to research and vet their clients first is like big thing for me is passion projects, right? Like I always encourage everyone to only work with clients and people that they are head over heels and love with whatever the fuck it is they're doing. Help. Right. Like you need to be passionate because like that one, you're going to be more happier when you're doing that work. And two, you're you're going to provide better results because you know what it is that you're pushing even better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you feel about that? Would you say that it's more important to align with clients and projects that align with things that you're passionate about, or would you say no, just chase that high retainer and just deliver on whoever wants it? So if the the person that we're talking about is somebody who's just getting started out i would even almost go past the recommendation i would say that it's even probably a necessity 
to to uh, link up with somebody with a client that's doing something that you're already passionate about. Because as I mean, again, we're going right back to the strategy thing. How in the hell do you build strategy without background knowledge or without knowing how to do the research to get that background knowledge? So out of the assumption that you're just starting out and don't know how to pull that research yet, lining up with something that you're passionate about is absolutely going to give you a, a tremendous boost amongst where you could be. You're going to be able to solve a lot of problems that come up that you're not familiar with as far as problems that can kind of come up with an invoice. You're going to be able to ask a lot of questions. You're going to be able to give a lot better recommendations. I think it's a necessity. I really do. Oh, yeah. And like, I 100% agree with you. My, my own experience, right? So I worked at Microsoft for five years. Mm-hmm. From a technical aspect, I loved my job, right? There's plenty of benefits to love about my job. But I'm also working for big-ass corporations that are sometimes losing millions of dollars an hour, and they don't even blink an eye. Exactly. Right? So I'm like, I want to do what I'm doing here, but make a bigger impact on people. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, I was just running my agency, and I would work with anybody. It didn't fucking matter. I was just like, I'm Big Marv. I'm going to help everybody. Right. So I would just take on any client. So like after seven months, I hit six figures, but like I'm building fucking doctor funnels and real estate funnels and like all these other fucking funnels and half of them. I'm like, man, fuck this shit. Like I built a cat funnel for someone and then like six for six months, I was repixeled and retargeted with fucking cat videos and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh man, if I have to look at another fucking cat video. You know what I'm saying? It's not that I hate cats. It's just like, it's not really a big fan of it either. You you know? And it's just like... If you spend enough time doing something that you're not a big fan of. Yeah, exactly. It just got to the point where I'm working 60 or 70 hours a week just collecting money, and the money's good, but it's just like, there's no better than me collecting a check in Microsoft. Like, there's... Like, I'm not happy with what I'm doing. Like, yeah, I'm free now. I'm making my own schedule. Who fucking who? Like, and then swamped yourself out. Man. I just swamped myself out doing a bunch of work that I hate doing. You know. And to try to discourage people from going that route, let me tell you this: that's almost a worse feeling than it is just not liking the job that you have to go to because at least it ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you, when you get fucking swamped out and you can't and there's nowhere to go, you can't turn left, you can't turn right, you haven't built a system yet, you can't stop. Obviously, it doesn't make any sense to not keep going. You're just like, fuck. And some of those days turn to weeks, and some of those weeks string together and turn to months. So, yeah, if you guys can avoid that, I, I definitely should. Oh, yeah. I completely went through a phase of closing down my agency, taking a step back, and just being like, fuck this. You know, <laughs> a like, lot. Yeah. It got to a, a point where I was like, fuck this. Like, I had some money saved, so I literally took like a one-month fuck this vacation. Absolutely. Right, because I was like, and, and I even have, I have people come to me all the time. They're like, dude, you built a six-figure agency in seven months. Close the fucking doors. Like, I literally went from $23,000 one month to 7000 the following month because I was mm-hmm. like, fuck this. I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing it anymore, you know? And they were like, why didn't you just hang with it? Why didn't you do it? Because I'm like, dude, the whole point of me getting into this game is to encourage people to chase their passion and create a life of freedom. How can I tell people and coach people to create a life of freedom and chase their passion if I'm not fucking chasing my passion and create my own life of freedom? You know what I'm saying? 
So I, I realized for myself, like it just wasn't for me to try to have an agency because the only reason I even did it was I was following a coach or a guru or whatever that was like, you can serve, you know, service all these people. So I took my vast technical background and built an agency out of it. And I realized like, yeah, the money's cool and everything, but fuck money. Right. So I was like, the money is not making me happy right now. Like, you know, what makes me more happy is being able to do what I want when I want on my own terms. How you want you know exactly yeah. how I want to do it yeah. right so I, I just started working with like one-on-one coaches like personal my mindset coaches development coaches okay automotive guys cannabis guys CBD and like I started like falling in love with what I was doing again and I was like well yeah. I finally found it right so I honed in on that and now I'm golden again but it's just like I had that own self-realization of like yeah you need to chase your passion because like even having all the money right doesn't fucking mean like i'm you're gonna be happy you yeah, know I think a lot of people i think a lot of people think it's gonna feel different when you have that money like you know what i mean if, if you could be on the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey and somebody's gonna say hey you're going to have a $23,000 a month. And then that is going to be the thing that makes you say, fuck all of this. You're just, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Cause you're going to be like, <laughs> right, whatever. Like, it's right, fucking exactly. but it, it becomes such a huge problem and such a huge issue. If you, like you said, if you lack the system or lack the team or lack the construct to, to you know, divvy some of that work out, it becomes a fucking problem. Yeah. I definitely, I think we, I think we've all been there. I think anybody, who's had even a little bit of success, really. Um, even if somebody has like, you know, one or two people that do things for them on the side, I think everybody has been there because usually that's why you go get people to do things for you is because you feel that experience. Yeah. I need to step out of it. Well, like once I started doing that to where I could switch gears and focus on what I enjoyed, right? Because mm-hmm. I got the other side of the perspective of people saying, bro, you could be pocketing $400,000 a year but you have a team instead, so now you're only pocketing a part of that. And like, the number yeah, absolutely, but look at it this way. Would I be able to serve all those clients if I was doing it all myself? Would I absolutely be head over heels and level what I do if I was doing it all myself? And, and the other side of the coin is those individuals on my team are loyal to me for life because I help free them, exactly. right? Because when I – all the guys or most of the guys on my team are like in different countries and overseas and stuff. Right. So, and I can easily pay them like five bucks an hour. Cause that's like their going rate and that's all they expect or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. no, what do you need to have a good life? Because I'm going to make you a part of my team. Exactly. Right. And I just build a family and I give them a way out. And now I have a loyal tribe of people that, we're just going to be able to continue to scale and work. And we're all doing things we're passionate about versus me trying to do everything, just trying to keep all the money and everything myself is like, like you said, a good, a good business owner, a good leader knows when to let go or how to let go. Exactly. Right. It's more, more important to learn how to let go than it is to learn how to hold on to everything. Yeah. And that's probably, uh, uh, and, and I, well, I hope people don't have that misconception about growth. Gr- growth usually starts with a massive setback 
And that step back is either going to be in time or capital or usually both. Because as soon as you start to set yourself up to scale, you have to account for all the time you need to build the strategy, all the time you need to train the people. And then when you get in a position like we're in right now, where it's kind of a well-oiled machine, if somebody falls off, it's easy to plug in, things of that nature, it's a whole lot easier. But that, that first initial commitment to, uh, to scaling, for most businesses, it is a step back. For most businesses, it involves taking on some form of debt or relinquishing some form of equity. That's how most businesses really set themselves up to grow as far as building systems, accepting capital, go out and going out and getting loans and things of that nature to get equipment, and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if anybody's thinking about, you know, possibly setting themselves up to scale, don't feel like it's a situation where, you know, it's January, you scaled now because you have a system and by February you should be turning up 500% of what you were doing. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Setting yourself up for success. Like that's, exactly. that's the idea is you're setting yourself up to where you're not the single point of failure. Cause if you're smart, right? Like I wish I could go back to and talk to myself and say, Marv, build your CRM first. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I could go back and say, Marv, iron this shit out first exactly. you know what i'm saying but some, you just gotta figure out those life lessons and that's the whole point of hiring coaches is because coaches can say hey look i was in your shoes this is the mistakes i've made and i see myself in you this is what i would be doing instead of doing that shit that you're doing right now but if you want to do that go ahead but i'm just saying i've been there done that. <laughs> you know like I wish i could go back and tell myself like develop those processes and those systems first because I would have had such an easier time growing and scaling. I might have not even had my fuck it month had I spent the time initially to dial in those processes. Because it was so easy for me to get lost in building process and everything for other people. I wasn't doing it in my own business. Like I didn't take a step back to build my own process, but I'm out here building processes for everybody else. Exactly. Like, you know what what's the link to book a call with you what's the link to this and what's the link i was like i know i just set all that shit up for you but i don't have all that shit set up <laughs> for, for, for myself exactly, you know, like, exactly. Uh, it, it was a very important and transformative you know time in my agency's life whenever we did switch from that when i had to take that month to step back and say all right i'm gonna do this but i need to do it in a different way well it's a it's a in my opinion, and it's, it's funny how there's no matter where you go within society, there's a hierarchy, whether it be the government to citizens or your boss to an employee, it doesn't matter what it is, or a household to the kids, there's hierarchies everywhere. And it's in order to feel the relinquishing of the ego that is needed to do something like you said, go out and look for a coach. You talk about it now in the midst of your success and, 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 and it, it seems easy, but that's not easy for a lot of people. The idea right. of going out and getting a coach is not easy. These are very intimate ideas that people have success with or, or that, that people find with their ideas that bring them success. And when you think in the, in the hierarchy as well, for, from the time that we're in school, from the time that, you know, we leave school, we go to college. If you do that, you leave college, you go to work. We're not really encouraged to share our ideas much. 
Right. We're encouraged to like have this scarcity mindset of right. like, so how did you if you let your idea out there, like you're going to fucking, like everybody's going to steal your idea and you're going to be stuck. It's either, that, it's either, it's either, it's going to get stolen if it's good. You're going to get laughed at if it's bad. Nobody's going to take you seriously. Take your pick. Whichever way it goes, it, it, it's terrible. So how do you get in a position where something like, you know, inviting somebody in for your most intimate ideas, ideas that are going to put food on the table for your kids, where you talk about it so easily? Well, what it was for me was, so when I left Microsoft, right, I was given up a $130,000 a year job. Right. When I left, I had $7,000 in my bank account. That was supposed to last me for until I needed to make money, right? Like overhead-wise, I could have carried myself for like two months if I held on to my new car. Because, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I had a new car every other year. Yeah, you know, I'm month. trying to stunt on these motherfuckers because right. at the time, I care about people's opinion that don't fucking matter. Right? Right. Which $130,000 so, will usually do to you uh, if you don't. If you yeah, don't if, it, if you, like, when I was working at Microsoft, I will admit I was fully enveloped in that fucking Microsoft lifestyle. Steakhouses every night, fucking nice clothes nice car big house like just like when i look back at it i've made over a million dollars in the last seven years and i have no idea what i did with all my money exactly you know what i'm saying because you get so sucked into that lifestyle that you have so much money and you're just well often that lifestyle is like an automated machine of just like yeah, we're going to the steakhouse and yeah, we're doing this and we're doing that. And it's just, it's just the way of life, you know what I'm saying? And, and when I made that transition and I quit, I, uh, and over the course of leading up to that, I had bought a couple courses and a couple things. And like, I basically got burned, right? Cause they were, they were coaches and stuff that I shouldn't have invested in because I was already a step ahead of them. So I just invested in the wrong coaches, right? Because I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, man, this shit is so basic. I already know this. Why did I pay $1,500 for this fucking course? Right? So I held back on hiring a coach, but then I took $3,500 out of that seven grand and I bet it all by going on to this conference with Billy Jean. Billy mm-hmm. Jean, it's marketing. He's a big marketing dude. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yep. But I went to his in-person workshop for two days in San Diego. Ah, like, worth it. And I paid extra to have the VIP experience where I could sit in a private room with him and ask him questions and shit. And I was basically like, I have all these ideas. I just quit Microsoft. I'm banking everything on doing this. And I'm scared that if I put out content, either people are going to, like you said, they're either going to, laugh at me thinking it's a bad idea or they're going to think it's a great idea whatever it was i was like how do i know people are going to take me serious and do that and he's just like because you're the real fucking deal like and i had not known this but apparently he watched my videos and shit before the conference mm-hmm. so he already knew who big marv was mm-hmm. like he already saw some of my videos before so he's like the difference between you and the other guys buying these courses are you're the real fucking deal like you've been working on computers for 20 fucking years. Exactly. Like you're not just some guy that bought a course. You actually know what the fuck it is you're talking about. So just exactly. put it out there. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going like, to like it. Some people are going to love it. Just do it though. Exactly. Right. And you will succeed. 
and then I got really invested in his courses and it was actually teaching me things and teaching me how to scale and process and do all these things. I'm like, okay, it wasn't like at that point in time, like including the $3,500, I had probably invested around eight or 9,000 okay. in personal development and mindset coaching and things like that because mm-hmm. I had gotten burned so many times before Billy Jean. I had, I hadn't really the thought of like, I need to hire a coach or hire this or hire that because I was like, that shit don't work until I met Billie Jean. Right now, now since then, because it radically changed my life so much, I've invested about 35,000. Exactly. And and now I personally have a Facebook ads coach, a mindset coach, a business coach. And um, I, I have business partners and, you know, I rely on so many people to help me keep my shit on lock and keep going mm-hmm. and connecting yourself. Your network is your net worth. Like I figured mm-hmm. that out too. Right. Mm-hmm. So by connecting myself with all these high level entrepreneurs, people making six, seven and eight figures and hiring coaches that are seven and eight figures. It, it's not like it's some magic pill or something like it still takes a lot of hard fucking work to succeed at doing what I'm doing. But what it is, is it's lining me up with the opportunity to talk to that seven figure coach that has probably been in my shoes. So I can exactly. say, Hey, when you were scaling from six to seven figures, what did you do to make this transition? You know, what did you do to succeed here? And then I can analyze all these people and make the decision best for me based on data. And so that's, that, that's what my feeling is about coaching and courses is it don't look at it as a magic pill take the time to vet your coach and make sure it's somebody that's going to align with you first. Mm-hmm. Like what I say is find somebody who's fucking killing it and whatever it is that you want to do, you want to do follow exactly. their process. How many people don't do that though? A lot of people just don't do that. That seems like a very easy thing to do. Gravitate, gravitate towards somebody who's doing well and what you want to do, vet them and then try to join them. Yeah, but so many obstacles that you have to jump over pretending to fear and ego and sometimes family pulling you left and right if you don't you know if they don't want you taking the financial risk and, and, and so it definitely can be a, a, a pressing situation but as you, it's a necessity when you get to a certain level it's a necessity it really is yeah it's like there's no magic pills out there. I can't stress this to you motherfuckers enough. There is mm-hmm. nothing that exists that's going to make you earn seven figures overnight, m- much less a month. Has it happened to people? Much, much less a month. Yes. Every Has month. Has it happened to people? Absolutely. Could it happen to you? Sure. Likeliness of it happening. Slim. Right? But... Find somebody that's absolutely fucking killing it and what you're doing. Put in the hard work and make it happen. It's a shortcut to your success only because you're avoiding mistakes that they've made before. Exactly. The expensive mistake. And expensive could just be a time mistake, right? Like you could spend seven months building something that you feel is a perfect course, but you never did any pre-launch or strategy or market research to mm-hmm. find out if the market even wanted this course you've been working on for seven months now you just lost seven months of time well and and if time doesn't become money until you start making money and then you realize that time definitely is money and it's nothing less than that so that that's definitely probably the the asset that i want to lose the least 
So yeah, accuracy it, is something the only that we're resource huge that no matter how much money's in your bank, you're not getting more time back. You're not. You're not. And you'll right. always have you're the never the, getting that time back. Yeah, it's it's agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to come find you, follow you. I know you said commerce puzzle. Tell us a little bit about commerce puzzle and what you guys do and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So commerce puzzle, like I said, it's a brand strategy and advertising consultancy company. And we literally do anything and everything that involves increasing your brand awareness, increasing your brand image, and then off of those creating a strategy. And then off of that, increasing the capital that comes into your business based off of that strategy. Um, Commercepuzzle.com is our website. Commerce Puzzle, just pretty much at any platform you can really find us at. Uh, it, it's, as far as expansion goes, I, I will say this. A lot of the, any, anything that we do now, we cover very thoroughly online. Um, we are looking to expand into video, hopefully sometime. When I say this year, I'm referring to our year. So we just got, we just got done with uh, a year on, I think, May 23rd. So, you know, before May 23rd next year, we're definitely looking to include some video. Uh, we're really big on analytics. We're really big on data aggregation. And, you know, that, that's really pretty much all there is. It's, it's, it's funny because the way that we pitch, I suppose, is by a lack of pitching. You know, we really look people in the eyes and tell them that this truly is a situation that is so custom that it requires a conversation, period. I can sit here and talk to you about what worked for somebody else. But if you have a product on your shelf that may increase your ROI tenfold, but you just don't have the eyes to recognize it yet, we might be spending all the time talking about something that we're wasting our time on. So we really, really try to relinquish the idea that there's a package for somebody or that there's a magic pill, as you said, or that there's a specific route. And we try to get people in for strategy sessions and, and we close them down that way. Um, all of our clients have seen great growth. All of our clients, more importantly, get tools that they can like take and use for life and when i say tools that they can use for life <clears throat> i mean strategies and and you know the system that goes behind a lot of the platforms that are built so for example if somebody was to take you know try to expand their website or go to another company or go to another seo company what makes us different is a lot of the information that we trade with you during that time increases your accuracy and decision making as a business owner. So that's that's kind of that's kind of how we get down. I actually I love what you did. You know, data driven results. Like there's nothing better than data driven results. And I believe in the same thing. I believe it's all a sacrifice of time or money, right? Okay. Like for for me, I remember what it was like to just start up as an entrepreneur and being lost and literally like when you listen to these gurus and coaches and they say like how do you how, how do you combat the objection of i don't have the money like i love your service and blah blah mm -hmm. and the average coach will say that's bullshit they'll figure out how to find them but like literally for me i'm from the trap you know i don't have family members i don't have good credit like literally like trust me bro i believe you i wish i had five grand i would give it to you right now but i literally i don't have a grandma or mama i don't have nobody to give me that five grand 
the actual I don't have it. The real, the real meaning of that. (laughs) Right. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's not that I'm just trying to avoid you. Like I'm keeping it 100 with you. I just don't. It doesn't matter who came through and asked for 5,000. Nobody's getting it because I I just don't fucking have it. Exactly. So I was like, I want to create a way for people to do what I'm doing and capital not being the issue, Mm -hmm. right? So I always tell people, I always coach people, it's time or money, which one do you want to trade? So I never have to sell anyone because I have hundreds and hundreds of videos on my YouTube and my Facebook because I'm like, look, everything I'm teaching you, how to, how to build the strategy, the different platforms, the builds, everything, you can watch for free. It's going to take you a lot of time because you're going to have to a lot of time. Try, exactly. try to do it because I've been doing this for fucking years. Right. And I'm a pro. So like I've had people, it takes me less than an hour to build a funnel from scratch, my brand new funnel. Mm -hmm. And I'll release that funnel build and somebody will message me and say, big Marv, I watched it. It took me six hours. It still don't look as good and doesn't function. (laughs) I was just like, they're like, how the fuck did you do that? 47 minutes. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's time or money. You can either pay my team to do it for you or you can do it for free. And what's going on between it, that time is the value that you're providing them too. Yeah, it, so it's it's like I don't have to even pitch them because I'm delivering so much fucking value that they're exactly. like exactly when they have the money they're gonna come to me. You become because an asset I, in their I, eyes. You become an I've asset for their that. business. Yeah, because in their eyes they're like this dude's fucking valuable. Like I can't wait to hire this guy to help me with my business because he's a real fucking deal, and exactly. I'm I'm able to watch his videos and do this for free. So I'm going to hustle and spend all my time trying to figure out how to do this. And then when I get the opportunity, right, I'm going to try to work with them. And then they'll be following my page. And when I get like case study spots open and I'm like, I got two spots available. Who's been grinding and wants to have a free case study done with them. And like, and I'll have those people that I've been watching, like, fuck, I've been waiting for the opportunity. Let's make it happen. You know? So another thing that's important that you're saying from this too, is I I think another thing that a, a lot of people get confused about is what making $100,000 looks like. It's so, and when I say easy, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. There's probably somebody in your apartment complex, if you're in one, that pulls in $100,000 a year if they're an entrepreneur and, and especially within the digital ad space or anything like that. So when you, when you start making these landmarks, like I wanna, like you said, a $23,000 a month, that may sound insane and crazy for people hearing that, but really and truly it's not. And more importantly, a $23,000 a month does not accompany a yacht. You know what I mean? Or like a Lamborghini or a motorcycle or even a bunch of new clothes or anything like that. A lot of times You know what that was for me? That was was 40 to 50% overhead. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then that was another twenty percent back into the business to get exactly to the exactly. It's just doesn't, it's the, whole, the whole reality is a lot different. You know? like, exactly. like they say, more money, more problems. Mm-hmm. Like now, instead of worrying about like when my rent's going to get paid, I'm worried about can I do that ten thousand dollar investment? Exactly, and that's right? a that's a but bigger that's a it, bigger failure a than different rent. Different set of problems. It's just, and that's a bigger that's a bigger problem. It's yeah. a bigger failure than rent because it's going to rip out everything that pays your rent if it goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. A new like, set of problems. If this fails, not only do I not get my rent paid, but this <laughs> this, this happens too. It's just a whole different classification of problems. I definitely agree with you there, but problems that I feel like 
a lot of people can have and a lot of people can enjoy to have if they buckle down. Uh, and it's weird because a, a lot of this conversation has been based around yeah. accepting help, but the vetting thing we both agreed on, and I think it's something that we both accept as an ultimate truth and it's unacceptable if you don't, but maybe we should go a little heavier on that to you know close it out. Like you should vet these people that are coming to help you, but you should also get help. It's a two-part combination. And if oh, you yeah, do, absolutely. I, yeah. And if you do, I feel like most entrepreneurs can be in a great position because there's so much information out there these days that there there is a lot of successful people for you to go and you know kind of leech some information off of for sure. Yeah, make make sure. Like I will agree with him 100%. Just vet your tribe, vet the people around you, mm-hmm. keep the people closest to you, somebody that relates to your circle, somebody that lifts you up, empowers you. And, like, if you're looking for outside help, you're looking to hire someone, don't just fucking fall for that first Facebook ad you've seen. Especially if you – especially, especially if that money that you're about to spend on that course is going to hurt you, right? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs. I was in that position. The very first course I bought, that hurt. Precisely. Like, and, and, and it like was you said, hard it fucked up your perception for a long time. You know, and, and like, and it took present. me a long time to buy another course at that rate because yeah. like, I saved up for three months to Absolutely. get $1,500. And it ended up being a course that didn't help me because it was one of those courses of how to build WordPress sites and charge $10,000 for them. And yeah. It was so fucking basic that I was a developer for 10 years and had I vetted the fucking guy first, I would have looked at his work and said that my work shits all over this guy's work. So why am I going to pay him $1,500 to teach me how to build a WordPress site that already shits on his? You know and, what and, I'm and sometimes that willingness will, will, will get you anxious and, and make you skip steps. And, and, and I, it's important for people to really listen to what you're saying. Somebody who spent time in Microsoft, somebody who was a developer for 10 years, bought an entry-level course without vetting simply because the whole entrepreneurial idea was enough to create that tunnel vision as it does with everybody yeah and if you can oh my gosh if you can break out of that tunnel vision you can save yourself why i like to call it a shiny toy buyer (laughs) yes break out of that oh my god this is the magic pill that's going to do it for me absolutely And, and fuck i mean it could be your magic pill but research the motherfucker first and make sure that's it. That's, that's all we're saying is it's, 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 it's a betting That's process. all I'm saying is research the motherfucker first. Cause like if you're, if you're, let's just say spinning up a health and beauty store and you're going to be selling makeup, for example, mm-hmm. why the fuck are you following a health guru mm-hmm. where their specialty is releasing and scaling gyms? Exactly. Right. So like exactly. if I'm starting up Mary Kay, That'd be like me buying Alex Ramosi's course, which is gym launch, by the way, if you don't know who that is. Right. right. Alex Ramosi's whole thing is how to take a brick and mortar gym and blow them up to making a million dollars as a small private gym. Exactly. If you're fucking spinning up a Mary Kay fucking beauty e-commerce store, why the fuck are you buying her Alex Ramosi stuff? I get it. That's a good ad. That was a good funnel. But Jim Launch is not going to help your fucking. It's not going to help you. But it, it's so no. crazy. Grant Cardone's real estate fucking course is not going to help you <laughs> with your fucking. I don't give a fuck who Grant Cardone is. I don't care who Dean Graziosi is. I don't give a fuck. I'm not building real estate. So I'm not going to buy your fucking course because your shit is real estate. 
Okay. It's so important. It's, it's so important. It's, all it's, it's, it's the ego, man. It does crazy things. And I think a lot of times people think the ego is just runs linear and it's involved with arrogance. And it's not that. That shiny new toy is a reflection of the ego. When we let these things get amplified and we let things look brighter than they are or toys look shinier than they are, it can wipe out years of experience. It can wipe out years of being analytical, years of, ex, uh, you know, previous expectation that if you just applied that expectation to what you're spending your money on, then you would not even spend your money on it in the first place. And it's just, uh, it's important for people to, to hear and see that somebody can be successful and then look back and be like, you know, these are the, the, the things that I wish I wouldn't have done. And they're things that we can all relate to. We all see the ads. More importantly, when you get successful, you don't stop buying the ads. You just start buying different ones that are a little more expensive. Yeah. You start <laughs> so connecting you to different groups. Exactly. Like, like exactly. now for me, I've elevated from courses to now I'm part of different high-level mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And now I go stop. to high-level net private networking events. Right. right? Exactly. So rather than paying $1,000 on a course, I'm paying $5,000 a year or $10,000 a year to be inside these mastermind groups where mm -hmm. i'm positioning myself as an authority figure and my shit in those groups right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and at the end of the day this whole conversation is based around i think putting yourself in a position as an entrepreneur to soak up the most the uh, an absolute abundance of relevant information to your industry your product your service or what your goal is or what it is that you're doing if yeah. you i mean it's just like a carpenter You've got to get better at it by doing it. It's just like anything else, any other skill set or expertise. So you should probably go to somebody who spent that time uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that, their craft. That is a perfect analogy, right? Think of it this way, right? Say it's a metal worker or a metal fabricator or like you mm -hmm. said, a woodworker, carpenter. They build this beautiful, magnificent fucking metal and wood bar, right? And it's like a $100,000 bar because it's fucking... Mm -hmm hand hammered copper and brass finish with mm -hmm. fucking nice cedar wood cut and, and and you're like holy shit but that's like 10 years of doing it and if you want to be a woodworker or a blacksmith or a metal worker you're not just going to dive in and create a hundred thousand dollar bar and sell it to someone Absolutely you're going to go not. be an apprentice work from apprentice to journeyman from journeyman to expert mm -hmm. from an expert you know you're going to fucking put in the work put in the ranks and then after 10 years maybe you're a pro and you're making that hundred thousand dollar bar you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying so like that's a perfect analogy think of it that way like when you're online looking at ways to build and scale your entrepreneur business find those pros that build that hundred thousand dollar bar doing exactly what it is your hundred thousand dollar bar yeah. exactly yours and, and and you go fucking consume everything that they do you be their apprentice learn move yourself up the ranks like so that's a perfect fucking analogy i'm gonna use that again yeah yeah no absolutely and it is and, and that's what i said like as soon as people that's what i meant by as soon as people can start looking at this online space more as a brick and mortar space with the expectations people will start doing those things and treating it like that more because i mean just, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, I don't know what town you live in or what it's set up like, but I'm sure you have mom and pop shops there. I'm oh, positive yeah. that you do. I'm in just Oregon. Like, like that's th a there you go. Just imagine walking into a mom and pop shop and trying to replace the table that they have without providing any value. With it. Just, yeah. It's just not going to happen. If no I just go in there the and say, you see all this shit you have taped in the 
was like, yeah, like we need to get rid of that and put this new poster up. I can guarantee you're going to bring people in. They're going to say, first of all, who the fuck are you? Second of all, it. we've been here for 100 years. But literally, if you were to send those people that through a Facebook message, and they yeah, might just accept it. Imagine, like, through a Facebook message versus <laughs> just walking in the door and saying that. Yeah. Yeah, like it, 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 a Facebook message, they'll probably just block you and be like, fuck this guy. If you walked in and said that, they'd probably slap you in the face and be like, absolutely, out of here. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know so saying? people just need to realign their expectations. You know, be be critical, just as you would if somebody was walking into your business and telling you to change everything around because it can bring more customers. If somebody does it online, that's exactly what somebody's still doing. You just can't yeah. feel it because they're not walking inside of your mom and pop shop. But I promise you, that's the exact same thing. So, yeah, you know, exactly. just be diligent. Do you guys realize that this is a paid skill set with different levels, just like anything else? Anything you else. Know, as soon as people realize that, yes, what we do is a valuable skill set. Yes, there's different levels of this skill set. No, we can't all just go grab a two to $100,000 retainer. Yes, mm-hmm. we all start from somewhere. And no, we're not all going to do it the same way. Like as soon as people realize that this is just a mar- another marketable skill set that gets better over time based on your processes, the better off we'll all be. That's it. No That's it. Pills, I, I don't no know what I, 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 I'm quoting it 10 years. Building a skill set. That's all you're doing. Maybe 10 years. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It might be 10 years because I'm hoping this is my, I'm, I'm hoping that that voice will come in and maybe wash away some of this, this digital marketing situation right now and then might be the new craze. And then this can kind of settle down into the industry that it is and that it deserves to be with, you know, entry barriers and separate levels and stuff like that. And then all the craze can be directed towards something else that will eventually. Well, yeah, we're, we're in the technical now. age. Like, I believe that sometime over the next 10 or 20 years, brick and mortar stores are going to go away completely and it's going to become warehouses that are auto shipped. It's gonna be. Pre- right? it's, it's gonna it's get. It's gonna be a. You can't be convenient. Live in, you know. You can't be convenient. Like but you can't. Yeah. Like everything. we're we're humans. We're biologically programmed to find the most efficient way to do something. Period. And to the and 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 by that that literally means exert the least amount of energy. That's why it's so yeah. fucking fun to be lazy. That's so, true. That we so we, why, we are wired that way. Once it gets to the point where we can Uber everything from our fucking phone. That is exactly what every human being That's what can do. Exactly. I don't care who you are. I don't care if your mom and pop store has been there for 300 fucking years. I'm sorry, mom and pop, but that shit is going bye-bye. The only uh, especially if you sell products. Is oh if you spend God. the time building a personal brand now that people love you so much, they're still going to buy your shit after you automate it. And, and even still, if it's a product, it's probably going away. Yeah. It, it, unless it can be shipped, it, it, service the service industry, of course. I mean, you, you got to go get a haircut and et cetera, et cetera. But man, if you fucking if you push a product, you're going to get hit hard in this, yeah. in this next Especially decade. Especially if it's a physical product, like oh my god, like this <laughs> shit. You know, like this shit. I'm not. Gonna, oh my god. Smoke shops are gonna go away. Vape shops are gonna go away. You have to be Wait trying to position yourself. Wait till you can order weed on the internet. Just. Like, like dispensaries are going to definitely go away once you just, get weed on the internet. Absolutely. You and people always think that, that, that every – and all, people always think that something's invincible, an industry is invincible, a brand uh, – but it, it's not that. It's not that. Wait till they automate buying a car, bro. Oh, yeah. Where they have an automated garage where you search and say, I want this car. 
and then it opens up the door and you can test drive that car in a closed track that turns the ignition off if you go too far if you go too far and geo and that's all simple that's all just setting it up you fucking geo fence it you build yeah, it. And we already it, have the technology. That's what I'm saying. That, that's all. That's so all. That if anybody's listening to this, thinking it's crazy, because that's like, like, that's like I don't want to deal with the salesman. I just want the car. I will search online and find my own car. And if you can automate the whole test drive and loan part to where I can just eliminate that human being completely, I'm gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you've ever bought a car before, then you know it's an all fucking day event. And it's fucking, oh my God, it gets, it, I hate it. And it's always, annoying. It's it's all, it, it always turns into that because it's just like, they're just there. They're there. They have to try to build a rapport. I understand. I get it. They're trying to do their job. It's you you want to know how I buy a car now? Now I get pre-approved through my bank so I know exactly how much money I can spend. I research, find the car I want, go to the dealer. And, and do it like it, like it's cash. I, I actually do them a solid. I'm like, hey, who's your newest sales guy? There you go. And then I go to that sales guy and say, hey, is this car still available? I already got pre-approved. I already got to go get the keys. I'm taking it home today. That's it. And and they're like, what? That's never happened to me before. I was like, I know. I knew somebody was going to get commissioned and I wanted to hook you up, bro. That's it. You know, and that's just all it It, is. So Things are most definitely going to change. Things are most definitely going to go heavy with automation. And, And again, if you're pushing or have a physical product, at least be educating yourself. And, and most importantly, if you're on the client side of all this, you know, start looking at this as the skill set that it is and start judging and vetting the people that you're allowing to provide a skill to you. And then you'll be better off uh, with this technology run that we have coming up. Now, to close this show out, I want to leave with what is your purpose, right? So you say that you hope to leave a legacy in an area that will be the most effective. Yeah. Your studies will reveal that as time goes on. You want to break into that a little bit before uh, we let the audience go? Yeah, absolutely. It has absolutely 100% nothing to do with business. To me, business is a medium. Um, I mean, we live in a capitalistic society. So pretending like I'm not going to participate, I think is just maybe reserved for the youth a little bit, maybe some rebellion. And uh, that's like pretty much a, an ideology that you have to let go. So I look at business as my tool to hopefully position myself uh, in a way to where I have enough capital to literally, like I said, make the best decision or the best set of decisions that's going to put the people around me and the people around them in the best position possible. And what I mean by that is this, you know, if I, throughout the course of my studies over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, if I find that I can leave my biggest impact by digging in and trying to, you know, resuscitate an economically distressed area, then I'm going to do that. If I figure that I can do it by trying to improve or help with education, then I'm going to do that. So I'm really dedicating my time right now to soaking up as much information as possible. Um, I'm a philosophy student by heart. That's my love over business by far, uh, philosophy and family. And uh, yeah, I'm just really going to buckle down and, and, you know, I I submit to the idea of being a student right now. I'm really, really, I I have this intimate relationship with not committing to any ideas. And it's something that people have an issue with these days, but it's something that allows me to one day make the best decision and put this capital and this expertise that I have now and, and, you know, load it up and pull the trigger. 
I absolutely love that. So you've already accepted that it's your responsibility to be a leader and take care of your tribe. So right now you're just being a capitalist, collecting the capital so you can put yourself in the position to do just that, take care of your tribe, which is exactly what I'm doing. For me, fuck time, fuck money. They're both variables that humans created to assign Mm -hmm. worth. For me, I'm a born leader. My life goal is to have a hundred acre self-sustaining farm that I can have my tribe on with wind, solar and water power and every, like some I've been mapping out for years and I will get there, you know, but I'm a born leader. I've concreted a path. I've built processes and it's my responsibility to this planet to spread the knowledge that I have and bring people up with me. So yes, am I a capitalist pig right now? Absolutely. Am I making a ton of capital and building businesses? Absolutely. But that I'm doing that because to, to fulfill my long-term destiny, which is to leave a legacy for my tribe. I have to do that. Have to have money, have to have money. And more importantly, uh, assets have to collect assets depending on whatever happens or whatever changes. And, and I agree completely. And it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, it's always interesting to see what motivates people to get into business and what people, you know, want to do. And you never know because those are all very intimate ideas, but it's nice to know that there's somebody else that has a, I suppose, a purpose that's completely opposite of everything that you're doing right now. Um, and, but you have the self-awareness, you know, and the analytical savviness to be able to say okay well let me buckle down increase my assets increase my ability to make impact and make change and then we'll get it going after that yeah exactly that's what i'm building right now is i want to leave a legacy that will take care of my tribe and thousands of people many years after i'm gone absolutely man and and my my big thing my it's this one big thing that i always had since i was little And I, I played sports when I was younger. Uh, if I could go back and change it, I never would have. They were fine. They were fun. But my, I've, I've always had a, well, when I was younger, I had an interest in invention. And now mm-hmm. as I'm starting to get older, I realize that really invention is a byproduct of, you know, where society is at the time. And very rarely does invention equal innovation. There's just a very few people who are responsible for true innovation. When right. I look and then, and then I say, okay, well, you know, a lot of impact that's been made in this world wasn't necessarily made from invention. It was made from organizing the assets available to them at that time in a certain pattern, just like you want to be able to do. You didn't say you wanted to, you know, invent anything or innovate anything. You want to take advantage of the technology that we have and use it in a way that you see fit, which would be self-sustaining, uh, you know, positive for the environment, I would imagine. And that's, it's just nice to see people have a, a similar mindset in rearranging the the assets that are available to them because I struggled a long time with the idea that I had to invent something, come up with something new. But in the back of my head, I've always wanted to make an impact as big as a refrigerator, which is just weird. But there's a refrigerator. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been that specifically. But there's a fucking refrigerator everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so we'll see. We'll see. How, we'll see how I can do. Well, well, brother, it was good having you on the show. Any last words before I let you go? That's it, man. I, I, I mean, if you guys are interested in, in building a process and building a business, just go ahead and, you know, Google Commerce Puzzle or Google Colorado Springs Web Design and pick Commerce Puzzle out of the front page there. And uh, we'll get to work. 
And besides for that, you know, business to me is one of the least important things. I think there's more important things uh, as far as education. And education is not going to school. Education is soaking in information wherever you can get it from. Exactly. So, so as far as education, even if it's self-education, uh, um, sharpening your skill set, I am a believer that that's how you get to where you want to go. And that's pretty much right. it. Exactly. If you're... If your passion is law or health or something, by all means, go get that degree, boo boo. But if That's you haven't figured out your why yet, don't go drop a hundred grand at a university just because. You're gonna put yourself in a position that you regret for a long time. Like my wife is a perfect example. She's a registered nurse, like, and she's gonna be in the healthcare industry forever. She's paying mm-hmm. off her loan. Like she's actually utilizing her degree. Right. I have twenty thousand dollars left. Like that's not even all the debt. That's just what I have left. Left. Yeah, I'm not doing shit yeah. with my <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's just, don't get in that position. That's a that's a big one. That and and hey, when you're trying to do the right thing and you know, live by the right rules and paying your bills and stuff like that, and you fuck around and get fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in debt, try to take that student loan pay that every month, and then try to start a business on top of that? God. You're fucked. <laughs> you from experience. <laughs> it, it, it's hard. There's this little thing called debt-to-income ratio. Oh, yeah. That'll get you every time. Say, oh, you're starting a business and you make no money, but you're 80K in debt? Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. You can't write off student loan debt. That shit is with you for life. Forever. <laughs> you're done, ski. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> So I recommend skipping that whole situation if you can. If you can, if you can skip it, do it. If you need it, go for it. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I'm just going to say bet your life decisions and make sure you're making the best decision for you. 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. And Zeke just crashed my uh, side table. So I guess that's the end of the show there. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, well, I appreciate you having me on. Having uh, Well, thanks again for having me. Um, thanks again for coming on the show. This is Big Marv. Make sure you guys tune in next Friday for another interview with another great entrepreneur. Evan, again, thank you. One love, brother. Excellent. Have a good one, man. Thank you. Bye.